0: Hey there, welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Alana here with Jamie, and we have another Coffee Break episode for you today.
1: Yeah, this will be a good one. We were just talking about how a lot of our episodes recently have been kind of theoretical and Mm -hmm. like, uh, I don't know, like deconstructing how we pray. This is very practical. So today's question comes from a listener who We're not positive she gave us permission to use her name. So we'll call her a struggling praying parent of teens who said that she feels guilty for not praying enough for her wayward teen children. And if you've listened to us for long, you know that prayer guilt is, we believe that it's one of the biggest blocks to your prayer life. One of the big one mm-hmm. of the most effective tools that Satan uses yep. to keep us from praying, which is ironic. Absolutely. You know, you feel mm-hmm. bad for not praying. Well, then you don't pray. So great yeah. question. I know she's not alone because I myself have struggled with this as have probably everyone listening. So
0: yeah. And Jamie and I are both moms of teens and kind of yeah. figuring this teen raising out for the first time in our lives too. So it's yeah. timely on all accounts. It really is. So before we jump in, do you want to open us up in a word of prayer?
1: Yeah. God, we just thank you for this day, for this time, for those of us with children, for those of us with kids in our lives that we have influence over. Um, We just, we lift those kids up to you today and just pray that this would be a time for us to really um, not feel guilt, be able to ditch the guilt and, and just embrace some practical ways that we can be praying more effectively and more regularly for the kids in our lives. Um, and just uh, for, for this really to inspire us and for us to come away feeling like we've met with you today, God, and, and that you've given us everything that we need to go forward with praying with power for the, the kids and the teenagers in our lives. Amen.
0: Amen. So the kind of too long, didn't read version of the question is I feel guilty for not praying enough for my waiver team, but I, I think we should read the whole thing. If if you feel good, it really shares kind of the heart of it. So I'll start. It says, Mm -hmm. hi, ladies. Firstly, thank you for being such a blessing in my life and the lives of so many other women by doing what you do best for the glory of God. And I'm going to pause there and say, you're absolutely welcome. (laughs) And it's completely our pleasure. Uh, we love doing this. And then she goes on to say, I wanted to ask for advice, comment, and prayer As I'm the mom of two teenage children who I have brought up walking with God, but have now chosen to walk their own path. I know God's got them and they are on their own journey, but I also know that I'm called to be the one to pray and ask God to bring them back. I struggle to pray at the best of times. I'm more the Martha. And I often go a while without praying for them. or then feel the condemnation and guilt as though by my not praying, they won't come back. I know this is wrong, but it keeps coming back. Do you have any wisdom to share? A way to put it that will hit home and reassure me. It's horrible to have the burden of their salvation on my shoulders, but that's how it feels sometimes. So there's so much to unpack here. And really, I feel like where I would love to start, like if I were sitting down with this loving mom, I would want to start not just with the "how do I pray more for my teens" because that is important, and I definitely think that we should get to that. But like you said, Jamie, just this this immense guilt that we feel, um, and really, you know, so if the if the TLDR version is, I feel guilty for not praying enough. I think we need to start by this question of, well, what's enough and who's up there measuring what enough is and how do you know what enough is? And I don't know if that's a question that can be answered, but let's go ahead and take a stab at it.
1: Yes. <laughs> I mean, all of go ahead. Are, yeah. Well, <laughs> what's <so> enough? <laughs> I, and I think that enough, how, first, you have to say, well, how can you measure the impact of one prayer? And I think for some situations, one prayer is all it takes for a situation. In some cases, in I mean, certain I cases, absolutely. in certain cases, I think one mm-hmm. carefully placed, like prayer led by God, imprompted by God, or prompted by your desire to see God work in a situation, could be enough for a lifetime. Um, yeah. I I don't think because we're told in scripture pray without ceasing in all things by prayer and petition. You know, I,
0: mm-hmm. we, I see
1: in scripture that we're instructed not to give up praying. I mean, Jesus himself in the parable of the persistent neighbor, was it was saying mm-hmm. like, you know, this is to illustrate to pray and never give up. So in situations like this one, where you have someone in your life who, is not at a place where you want them to be. And you feel especially like you have like a a spiritual authority over this person or Mm -hmm. a closeness and an insight into their life that enables you to pray very powerfully and specifically for them. Um, I do think more than one is probably the answer, right? But for each person, I, I think the problem, so can I, I'm just going to share my own story that kind of illustrates this. So I think I shared on a different episode. So I apologize. This is one of my favorite recent stories because it was so powerful. So I apologize if I've said it recently, but I was interviewing a friend of ours from Million Praying Moms, Brooke McLaughlin, and um, she was talking, it was an interview for a book that she had out and she was talking about praying for her kids and her family. And I started like, instead of being happy and light, I started feeling this like heavy weight of condemnation. Cause mm. I almost had a panic moment sitting here and thinking, when was the last time I really prayed for my family, my kids, mm-hmm. like it's been, you know, our listener mentions she's like a Martha and lots of time goes by. I'm exactly like that where I get busy doing and I forget, <laughs> I forget mm-hmm. sometimes there, there are st- stretches where I'm really good about it. Stretches where doing is all I do and and praying for them is not um, in the cards. And it had been a while, like an embarrassing while, since I had taken, like, other than just the shout out prayers, like, you know, mm-hmm. when I think about them. And so I was feeling condemned. I was feeling guilty. It, I felt it was a spiritual attack at that moment. And I don't know why that moment, but I basically was sitting there and I clicked, you know, off after the recording, after a very, what should have been an inspirational interview with this wonderful woman of prayer. And I just, I sat there and I was just like, I never pray for my kids. And I mean, number one, that was a lie. Cause of course I pray for my kids. Um, so then the next thing was, I just, I, I was just like thinking, you're never going to regularly pray for your kids. All of these lies about what I would never do. And I'm not consistent. And I'm never going to be the kind of person that regularly prays and, and, and protects them in that way. And I recognized it as an attack. And, and I was just like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I almost not audibly, but just very powerfully just heard, just pray, just pray. I mean, that's like our hashtag. Hashtag just pray, hashtag just pray. So I, I just got up, I had a bunch of things to do. And I was feeling guilty already that I had taken time out for this interview when I had a bunch of things to do for home. But I got up and it did not take that long. It didn't take more than 10 minutes for me to go through every single room in our house and pray. Powerful. I mean, like, Deeply pray. And it did not. It, sometimes you think you got to muster up all this time to get deep with God. This was mm-hmm. a, I'm going to pray. And I had it in me like a fire lit. Yeah. In me, pray mm-hmm. those prayers for each of my family members, two of those family members, there was like the, and I was, I was feeling like scriptures came to mind for each person. I would pray over mm-hmm. their pillows. That's what I did when I went through their rooms, I'd pray over their pillows and where they slept And I felt like God gave me things to pray for them. And that week there were two like really huge things that happened in each of the lives of two of the people
0: Mm, that I had prayed mm -hmm. for that week.
1: God did things that I had been hoping and praying for, for years for them. And it was movement. And I knew that there was power in that. So take heart that when you pray, what is enough? I mean, every prayer makes a difference. So I don't know if it's what is enough. It's never enough necessarily because we're always supposed to pray, but don't discount the fact that in the moment that you're feeling guilt, that the prayer that you pray in that moment will override any guilt that you might've had that prayer. God allowed those prayers to do work that years of prayers and months of prayers hadn't done in the past, right? Or they worked, but he allowed me to see the fruit in that week. So, right. I don't know if that all makes sense, but I I don't know if there's an answer of what is enough, but one prayer can do so much. So just,
0: just Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah. I mean, we definitely have this notion that God's going to reward a certain type of prayer more so than another. Mm -hmm. We have this idea that if you don't toil for it and, you know, fast regularly and agonize in your spirit for years as you persevere in nonstop prayer, then God's somehow less apt to respond. And we also sometimes will put preference to quantity over the quality of your prayers. So the person who can pray for 20 minutes a day for their church, their church is obviously going to be more blessed than the person who spends two minutes on a Sunday morning once a month praying for their church. And I don't really feel like, yes, we do have in scripture, this idea of being persistent in our prayers. Um, But let's dissect that for a minute, because you mentioned the story of the persistent neighbor or there's also a persistent widow. And both of these stories, Jesus told us as examples of why we should pray and not give up, but there's actually like two very different ways to look at them. So let's talk about the uh, persistent widow. She is in need of justice for something or other, and she keeps showing up to ask the judge For justice. And as I see it, you know, a widow in this ancient culture didn't have rights. So this was probably close to a life or death situation, right? Like she needed her, her husband's land or something. And she kept showing up and kept showing up and kept showing up. And eventually the judge says, fine. I know that if I don't grant her request, she's just going to keep pestering me. And so he gave her what she asked for. Now, a lot of people see this and their takeaway is therefore we need to be, we need to persevere in our prayers, which I agree, but also like, do you see how terrible it would be for us to make too close of analogy between God and that judge who's just annoyed and right. be, because he's annoyed, he's finally like, okay. So I see a separate interpretation of this. Almost as though like the the child who asks for bread and God says, even though you're evil, if he asks for bread, you're not going to give him a snake, right? And so I see that as like, yes, this judge, even though he was sinful and evil and impatient and perturbed, eventually granted her wish. And then like for me, my go-to isn't, therefore we need to nag God. My therefore is how much more is God going to give us what he knows we already need? Because he doesn't get impatient with us. Mm -hmm. He never grants our requests out of annoyance just to get us off his hair.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that is a really good point. That is a really good point. I
0: feel like, yes, we do need to persevere in prayer, but it's not to strong arm God into doing what we want him to do. And so I would say we need to kind of get over this idea that the more you pray for something like the longer period of time you spend in prayer, the more effective it's going to be. I think that the heart and the faith behind what you're praying and how closely you're aligned with God's will when you pray have more power than just the amount of time you spent. So my opinion is a mom's heartfelt prayer for a wayward son that comes up like twice a week as she's trying to fall asleep and is just worrying for her kid. And that like heartfelt, even if it's just five or 10 minutes is, is powerful. Um, So again, when we get to the question of what is enough, I feel like that's just the wrong It's the wrong question because the wrong question. Yeah. Yeah, It makes it out as though God's this machine and we need to put enough coins in the machine to get him to do what we want. And so we're putting these quarters in this, in this vending machine and nothing's happening. And so we assume, oh, I must need to put more quarters in because nothing's happening. Whereas like, yeah, prayer is so
1: different. Are you hearing all that? I have no idea what's going on upstairs. Somebody's trampling down the house. I'm hearing something. I thought maybe it was coffee, like, you know, bumping your mic or something.
0: No, I think it's Gimli, like getting the zoomies upstairs, like our 120 pound dog, like once a week or so he'll decide that he's like super rambunctious. (laughs) So I think
1: he's running upstairs. So our dog gets the zoomies and he's on a line in the backyard when Uh he's out back, because we don't have a fence back there. And he has learned the precise length of his line. So he zooms. And even when he's off leash and he zooms, he'll still zoom exactly that amount so that he doesn't get, you know, I think he's probably gotten clotheslined a couple times by his. That's pretty (laughs) cute. Well,
0: did you know, that's how they train elephants to never break their leash. So they start as a baby, you know, we're talking like circus trained elephants, Mm -hmm. which is a whole other, you know, moral and ethical issue, but the way they do it is they take a baby and tie a rope around its foot and tie that rope to a peg. And so the baby learns that, you know, just like your dog, but it can only go so far Mm-hmm. And then it grows up and never realizes that it's like a five-ton creature or, you know, and however big just they are. Rip it out. Could just, exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. I mean, there's so many parallels to uh, to our own lives and where we stay stuck in that. But um, anyway, hopefully the zoomies will die down in a second.
1: But, well, back to what you were saying. I yeah. love that you pointed that out because it even says in, in the passage about the persistent widow, it even says that, you know, if an unjust judge and, you know, an evil, ju- even you who are evil, you know, grant justice, he says, you know, God will quickly grant justice to them. And, you know, quickly in our time is relative, I guess, for the things that we pray for. But the point being that God is not, I, I love your vending machine analogy, because I think that is the key to removing some of that guilt is this idea that we have to be running the treadmill or else we're not gonna make God bend his arm and because our our listener even says at the end that she feels like you know I know that it's wrong that the condemnation and guilt but she said I feel like as though by my not praying they're not gonna come back like if I'm not praying enough and this reminds me of um So there was this show, I don't even know what it was, something about two people and their parents were it was like a a reality kind of game show where the parents are dating or something and the kids are behind the scenes like like uh, doing stuff without the parents knowing that affects the date. And one of them was this girl was on uh, exercise or the girl, this girl and guy were their parents were on a date together and they had to be on this um, bike, like a stationary bike pedaling at a certain RPM to keep the lights on for the date and the girl was like in tears she's like my mom deserves this date and she was just pedaling and pedaling the guy didn't really care and so they had to both be pedaling and you see this girl and she's pedaling so hard that she's sweating and you could tell she's in pain trying to keep the rpm's up and the lights on and you can see the lights starting to dim and she just pedals harder and by the time they get to the end, she can't, you know, she just pedals to exhaustion and the lights go out and she's sobbing on the ground. That's how I picture we are with prayer. Sometimes like if I don't muster up enough prayer energy or enough vending machines to put in the coin, vending, vending machine, whatever coins to put in the vending machine that my whatever isn't going to happen for the person that I love, you know, and, and that I think what you say, he's loving, he's our father, he knows what we need and want and what they need and want before we even know it. So yeah, we need to, to detach ourselves from that narrative because it's exhausting and not productive. We just wanted to take a quick break to share about a sponsor of today's episode, Faithful Counseling. Let's face it, life can be hard. It's so important to show up for yourself and your loved ones through all of the struggles life can bring. One way you can do this is by checking in regularly with a Christian therapist. We know not everyone has the time or the money for in-person therapy, but thanks to Faithful Counseling, Christian therapy can be accessible to anyone. You can speak to your counselor by video, phone, or text. Scheduling is so easy, and financial aid is available. I recently started using Faithful Counseling myself, and I admit I had never been to a therapist, and I was kind of nervous about the process. But I was shocked at how easy it was to get started, how convenient it is to communicate with my counselor, and how easy she is to talk to. We would love for you to find out for yourself how beneficial Christian counseling can be. So our sponsor, Faithful Counseling, is offering you 10% off your first month when you use our special link at faithfulcounseling.com slash praying. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
0: It reminds me of another exercise analogy where... Um, you know, there's so many ways to become physically fit. And so some people are just going to be active all day. They're, you know, like I don't sit very often when I'm working, I'm at a stand up desk, but, you know, when I'm thinking, I'm pacing. Like that's a big part of my physical fitness. I don't often like hit the elliptical and go really, really fast for like 10 minutes, but that is another way to achieve. Physical fitness. And so I almost feel like when we're talking about what makes our prayers effective, I feel like we have an entire buffet in front of us to select from. We Mm -hmm. have the, you know, the, what is it like, the hit, the high intensity interval training where like you do, you go really like you go 120% of your max for a really brief amount of time. Right. So that would mean like you, um, you run as fast as you can for like 30 seconds. And, and that's one way to become physically fit. Other people are going to take like an eight mile walk, which is also a way to become physically fit. And so I sort of see this, this question, it's not whether one's better or not. It's not as though, do I need to pray for hours for my child? Or do I need to have this intense, agonizing moment with God? Or is it a little bit of everything? And I think the other thing, so, you know, hopefully for the listener who wrote in and for anybody else who's struggling with this kind of prayer guilt, hopefully we've helped you get over the, the shame of not praying enough, but now like, I kind of want to take the other approach and try to light a fire under everybody, because especially Mm -hmm. as a mom, like I'm not trying to pack guilt (laughs) onto the mom who wrote in because I think she's got enough guilt, but. I think that it's really empowering when we remember that as a mom and as a wife, we can pray for the members of our family as a grandma more than anybody else in a in a different way than anybody else in the entire world can do it. Right? So, like, I'm trying to think. Um, let's talk about helping somebody through their delivering their very first baby. Technically, lots of people have experience and qualifications to do that. Right. But nobody can do it like that one person that you want with you, whether that's your mom or your husband or your sister, or, you know, whoever it is as a, as a parent and as a mother or a wife, there are certain people that I do feel like we can pray for them in a way that nobody else on this planet can, but instead of taking that knowledge and making it feel making it lead to even more guilt that you're not praying the way you should be, I would totally flip that around and remind yourself, nobody can pray like I can. So it really doesn't matter. It The quantity, the time you spend in prayers isn't the question. Even the intensity of your prayers isn't the question. Yeah, we need some of both at different points to make the most effective work of our prayers, but The other thing that I was thinking about, kind of reading between the lines of this woman's email, is there might be things that you are doing that actually are prayerful that you Mm. don't see as prayer. Sometimes we we have this itty bitty box and we say prayer for it for prayer to count as prayer. You must be alone, you must be um, not moving. You must be quiet in your heart. You must have confessed all your sins and praised God beforehand. You must have read your Bible, that like we put all of these parameters mm-hmm. around what actually counts as praying for your kid. And Jamie, you and I have talked before about sometimes the prayers that don't even involve language. When you're lying in bed agonizing for your child's faith and choices and future, that if you turn that agony toward God, even if it doesn't sound like a prayer and it doesn't start with your Jesus and end with amen, like that, that is a prayer. When you speak to your children, I don't know that we've talked about this recently, but even a conversation, if it's if the words that you're speaking to someone else, you are also directing to the Lord, then you can simultaneously be having a conversation with somebody and praying at the same time, right? Like you and I have done this. Like, let's say we're talking about one of our families and the, um, you know, like we both, like I said, we're both teen moms and we've both had conversations like this recently, worrying Mm -hmm. for our children. You and I are having a conversation about worrying for our children, but there is an element there that I actually in Wholeheartedly believe is also a prayer being lifted to God. As I am sharing with you, my sister in Christ, the burdens that I have for my child, I'm doing it to have a conversation with you. But simultaneously, I know that that conversation is being lifted to heaven as a prayer. So that's another thing that I just want to encourage our listener to think about. You actually might be praying all the time, Mm -hmm. but because it doesn't start with dear God and end with amen, and it doesn't fit in this itty bitty box we have as to what prayer is, it might not feel as though you're
1: praying at all. Oh, that, that is really a good point. And excuse me, when you become aware of that, it can be a way that you go through your life. And rather than lamenting that you don't stop and go into your prayer closet Mm -hmm. more and pray Mm -hmm. you can be recognizing or even creating prayers out of everyday things and 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 even just shifting your focus like you know me sitting here being like oh woe is me I never pray for my kids turning that into a few minutes of prayer you know And, Mm and and instead of looking at my worry for my kids or my um, guilt over not praying for them, realizing that when that feeling comes up, that that feeling can become a prayer in just mm-hmm. a moment. And, you know, for me, I, I felt kind of almost guilty after that few minutes of walking through the house. I'm like, really? That's like, that's I, all it I, took. <laughs> I felt guilty because I felt uh-huh. like, you know, it's, it kind of goes to like, you know, King David, I, I will not offer the Lord sacrifice mm-hmm. that costs me nothing. Right. Yeah, we um, think that it's got to be toiling all the time. Right. But if prayer is not a penance and it's a relationship yes. oh, with so God, yeah. you know, it's not, I mean, yes, prayer in a way is a sacrifice of praise or a sacrifice of thanksgiving mm-hmm. or whatever, but, but a conversation with God, it doesn't have to be painful. It shouldn't be. And exactly. it, it never was designed to be so. Yeah. I love that. Recognizing ways that you're already being prayerful for your kids. Mm-hmm, yeah. Holding mm-hmm. their laundry, you know, exactly. Holding their laundry. Acts of prayers. service. <laughs> yeah.
0: Acts of service for somebody I think can be so prayerful. And mm-hmm. yes, there is the element of while you're folding their clothes, you can be praying for them, but there's yeah. also just this sense of when you do something out of love, like God is there in that activity. Yeah. And You know, we talk a lot about the prayer before the prayer. And I also feel like maybe instead of just mustering up discipline to pray more for your kids, Mm -hmm. the prayer before the prayer becomes God help me to pray more passionately for them. And then I would also encourage you do a tiny bit of internal work as to why you aren't praying for them. More. And I'm just going to throw out a couple ideas that pop into my head. Maybe you don't feel like your prayers are going to make a difference. Maybe you feel like it's got to be like you've got to have a free hour for it to really count, right? Um, so like we talked about you're putting prayer in this box. Maybe there's this um you know, we, we've talked before about the tension between God's sovereignty and our prayers. So, and that could go either way. It can be so fatalistic that it's like, well, God's going to do what God's going to do. So why should I pray? Right. Or it could even be this sense of, well, God's only going to answer if I pray, if I put in a hundred thousand prayer pennies into this machine <laughs> That's and so I can't, Yeah, I can't picture doing that. And so- why start right so i would also encourage you ask god to give you a heart for deeper prayer and then ask god to just start revealing to you where some of these prayer blocks might be coming from um and it might have more to do with your own story about your children your own story about prayer and its power um that's kind of keeping you from getting to that next level yeah very good point Awesome. Um, I think the only other thing that I want to point out about this message is um, how she closes. She says, It's horrible to have the burden of their salvation on my shoulders, but that's how it feels sometimes. And Mm -hmm. I think there does come a point, you know, and, and Jamie, you and I both have 16 year olds as our oldest. And like, so we're getting close to that point where we're starting to recognize there's not a ton more that we can do on a practical plane to force our children to walk with God, right? Like our family, we've got two more years where we can tell our son, you will go to church with us. And beyond that, like mm, up to him. And so again, I think there comes a point of, of letting go, um, and being okay. Like I hate to say it, but they're for christian parents there is a sense of well if my child walks away from god that's going to reflect poorly on me and that really doesn't belong in this mm-hmm. space either mm-hmm. right so again i would just encourage you to remember they they have become their own unique individual person god has blessed them with free thought free choices free will. God is still sovereign over who they are and who they become, but within that is an independent young adult that we can't force into our box of beliefs. Um, and then, yeah, this probably goes into just not necessarily praying for, but parenting a child who's um, turns their back on their faith or who isn't living out their faith the way that you think that their faith should be lived out. And that's just to remember You can still love a a child whose faith is different than yours. You can love a child whose lifestyle choices are different than yours. It doesn't mean that we condone what they do, but I feel like the church has come a good ways. It used to be that, okay, if my child has done something that's dishonoring to God, then my Christian duty is to kick them out of my home my Christian duty is to ignore them and let them hit rock bottom because that's the only thing that's going to happen for them. Right. But we can still preserve our, our love for them without condoning their behavior. So there's so much more to parenting than just being the spiritual shepherd. And Mm -hmm. so even if your child has completely turned their back on God and is, you know, 180 degrees off from where you are spiritually, uh, you could still honor God by by loving your child and still praying for them, but I I don't want anybody to feel like their godly duty now is to forsake the the children that God put into their hearts and homes as part of their Christian duty.
1: Yeah, and you know I also think that looking at teenagers like with longevity in mind, like I think of a book that we read um I think it was I think it was the book by Leslie and Lee Strobel mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. the uh oh my goodness I'm drawing a blank uh the mismatch the surviving it uh, oh, oh it was a spiritual mismatch yeah that surviving a spiritual mismatch is the one they wrote together that was the one I'm thinking mm-hmm. of in that book um Leslie talks about well both of them talk about stories at the end of spouses that were not believers, which I know we're talking about kids, but it's the same thing mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. how there was seemingly no movement for years or decades. Yeah. And then all of a sudden a switch flipped and they gave their life to Christ. And so, I don't know, to look at our kids with that same longevity of, mm-hmm. we don't know what's going on under the surface. Exactly. That is always at work. And even if, you know, just to look at the situation with You know, this is where they are now, but there are decades left of God working and that is okay. Like that, you know, that that we Mm -hmm. don't have to like feel this sense of urgency of, and I don't, I don't want to take away from the sense of urgency to pray for our Mm -hmm. children like no one Mm -hmm. else can, but we don't have to feel this condemnation, this guilt, this burden, as she puts it that we are mm-hmm. holding the salvation of our kids in our hands because a we're not, you know, we're not holding mm-hmm. that salvation in our hands. It is not, we can do everything that we can in our power to raise them, to pray for them, to support them, to love them. But in the end it's between them and God. And so mm-hmm. when we let that go and, and look at it as, you know what, I've done these things and it's there, there's, a there's, there's time left for God to be working and to Mm -hmm. give up hope to hold that with open hands. Like God, do your work. You God do your work. I don't have that burden of having to do, do work to make anything happen. So I don't know. And if
0: you're so discouraged because you're not seeing any movement, I think it's totally okay to ask God, Yes. like, just give me something, right? Like whether that's, a sign that something is softening or whether it's just more passion and perseverance. It is okay. If you're kind of, if you've mustered up all the discipline that you can praying for your kids and you still don't feel like you've prayed it out for them, it is okay to go to God and be like, I need you to help me pray like I should, because I am so discouraged. I'm not seeing anything and, and trust that he can meet you there, right? Like prayer is kind of this, Uh, back and forth between discipline and devotion and passion, right? And so we can't show up with only discipline, or it just becomes rote and formulaic, and we get tired. (laughs) And it can't necessarily be only passion because passion can ebb and flow. Right. And so it's, it's finding that sweet spot and asking God to bring you to that sweet spot where he gives you passion and discipline to pray the way he wants you to pray. And that's the other thing I would encourage, like maybe your guilt is coming from the sense that you're, you feel like you're supposed to be praying for them in this way. And that's really not how God designed you to pray, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you're a on the go popcorn prayer and you think that you need to be a monk in his cabin prayer, right? And so that's another kind of question just to dive, dive a little deeper into why am I facing this prayer struggle and then asking God to work in you so that you can be a better prayer. Um, and then one more practical tip that I, I think could help is find another mom who maybe has a similar thing and make a covenant to pray with each other or for women with unsaved spouses, that same kind of thing could be so helpful and beneficial is finding someone else to pray for. Um, and that can
1: really help as well. Yeah. And that I was going to mention that too, because I think it's so powerful that synergy of having somebody else that has the same passion. It's like finding a gym partner, you know, it's so much Mm -hmm. easier to go to the gym when you've got a partner with you. Um, And there are also moms in prayer groups. If you have younger kids or kids in school Mm -hmm. that meet weekly, if you don't want to like go out and find somebody, you want something a little bit less of a, you know, committal, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. get, get together with, with an organized group that's already in in existence to pray for children. Yeah. Or ask God to bring the right prayer partner to you. Yeah, Again, you know, the
0: prayer before the prayer um, can be really, really useful. So thanks again for writing this in. I know that this topic is going to resonate with all the moms, literally anybody who's not a mom and is just struggling with prayer guilt. So thank you so much for, for bringing this up Mm -hmm. and for kind of sharing what's going on in your heart. And, And we are praying for you and for your children. Um, I almost think of Moses when the israelites are fighting and moses is on the cliffside watching the battle and his arms are outstretched and yes. as long as he can keep his arms outstretched in intercession god is god is with the israelites but his arms get tired yes. and so eventually two men come and they like hold up his arms and sometimes as intercessors we need people to hold us up as well so yeah, I hope that that was encouraging for people listening. And if you've got coffee break questions or topics that you would like for us to discuss, you can send those to
1: us at prayingchristianwomen.com slash questions. Yeah. And We also have a book, if you're interested, um, 30 Days of Prayer for the Unsaved. If you have unsaved kids, unsaved friends, family members, you can get it on Amazon. It's large print. It's great. Alana came up with these just amazing prayers that cover every facet of all different facets, 30 different facets of um, praying for the people in your life that are not saved. So that's definitely something to consider. Or you can also Also go to prayingchristianwomen.com slash unsaved and get those prayers delivered by email each day. Yeah.
0: Well, you opened us up. How about I'll close us off in prayer and we'll wrap it up. All right. God, thank you so much for this chance to be here. Uh, talking to Jamie, talking about you, talking about prayer. Thank you for this mother who wrote in. I pray that she would feel loved and encouraged and inspired. And I pray that you would bring her the insights that will help her to let go of guilt and to pray for her children. And we pray for listeners everywhere. We pray for unsafe spouses and wayward children and all of the prayer burdens that are on our hearts, please inspire us to pray the way that you have designed us to pray and help us to remain encouraged. And we just thank you for the gift that we have being able to come before you and to bring our requests before you. Amen. Amen.